Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, Thomas Jefferson High School, the math and science magnet school in Northern Virginia, is one of the most famous public schools in the country. It's also one of the toughest to get into. But some parents say the school's new admissions process, which aimed to improve diversity, actually discriminates against Asian students. They want the Supreme Court to get involved. Karina Elwood from The Washington Post brings us up to speed. Today is Monday, October 16th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey, Karina. Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. All right, so tell us, you've been covering this. There's this group of parents suing Thomas Jefferson High School in Virginia. What is going on there? Yeah, so this has been uh, a legal battle that's been going on for a couple years now. It's this group of parents, um, they're called the Coalition for TJ, and they've sued the school board over a set of changes they made to the admissions process to Thomas Jefferson High School. And some context, Thomas Jefferson is a prestigious magnet school in uh, Northern Virginia, so not everyone can just go to the school. There's like a whole admissions process to get in. And so there were these revisions in 2020 and the school and the, the parent group is suing the school board over those changes. So can we just put this in some context? TJ is not just like your average magnet school even. It's sort of this this national or global famous school. Can you explain sort of how it got uh, to the status it got to? Yeah. So Thomas Jefferson is a governor's school in Virginia, which is basically the state's sort of magnet school program. And they have a specialty. Thomas Jefferson is a school for math and science. And you're right. It's a very prestigious school. It regularly ranks among the top public high schools in the country. It was uh, number one on the U.S. News and World Report list for three years. It just moved down to number five this year, actually. It's a world-renowned sort of school. Like people know Thomas Jefferson because it has this very high level of prestige. And that is sort of why I think also this debate has gotten so big and has been going so long is because the school is so well known. So for a long time, since it was established, you've had to apply to get in and there was this like famously hard test. What was the process for getting in and, and how has that changed? Which I think is sort of the core of, of this litigation. Yeah, there was this famously hard test and there was also an $100 application fee. And so there were sort of these barriers to get into the schools. You had to both be able to pass the test and you had to pay the fee. There were some students who would go to tutoring for the test, right? And so students who had resources to be able to study and get tutoring and prepare for the admissions test had a better chance of getting into the school. And was, and it, so, just, was it just the test? Was it like the 800 highest test scorers get in and no one else does? Or were there other factors that they used to consider? 
No, there, there's other factors. So like students have to be eligible and that's still the case is that students have to show like a certain level of ability in school. And so like right now, the guidance is an unweighted GPA of at least 3.5. And then they also have to be taking a higher level uh, math class in eighth grade. So that's algebra one or something higher than that, as well as a number of honors or, or higher level classes in science and other subjects. So there is a base level of like students have to be showing that they are sort of above or ahead of some of their peers to be able to even get into the school in the first place. So in 2020, the first initial proposal was to change the system from a test-based process to a merit-based lottery. And the school board shot down that decision and asked the superintendent to come back with a new proposal. And the first thing they did was remove the $100 application fee and the test. Why was there even a desire to change it up? It wasn't working well? Yeah. So in 2020, the discussion around diversity in the school started. I think we saw that happen across the country in a lot of different institutions in 2020, following some of the events that happened during the summer and the death of George Floyd. And everyone was sort of looking at their own programs very closely. And so there was a big push because the school had, for a very long time, admitted very small numbers of Black and Latino students. And so that was sort of the criticism that they had come under is, you know, that these were systems that were preventing the school from being more diverse, that there were these barriers that people couldn't get in through. And that was sort of what sparked this decision to sort of change the system was how could we get more students of more diverse backgrounds, not only racially, but also, you know, students from lower income backgrounds and more women and, you know, English learner students. And so that was sort of the reason that they wanted to bring these changes in. Besides the test fee, what did they change? Well, they removed the test. And then in December of 2020, they moved to a holistic review. And so they completely changed it. They identified eligible eighth graders. And then those eighth graders could complete a problem solving essay. And then they create a student portrait sheet, which is basically showing that they have like a number of characteristics or factors that the school, you know, deems things like being a good communicator and, you know, a global sort of learner and an innovator, those sort of type of qualities that they're looking for in their students. And so then the school district would review each of those students. Um, they also take into account, they're called experience factors, which are things like whether they come from a low income background, whether they come from a household that doesn't speak English, what neighborhood are they in? Those are experience factors. And then basically the school division reviews those, all of those holistic sort of applications, and then 550 students get offers. That's a very radical change, right? There used to be this hot box test that people freaked out about. The test is gone. And it's much more opaque. Yeah, yeah, it, that's that's exactly right. It was a pretty clear shift from one side of the admission spectrum to the other, which is 100% test-based to, you know, a more holistic look at students and their backgrounds. What was the impact in terms of the demographics of the school? What were they before and, and what are they or what have they become? It did have an impact on the demographics of the school. So they implemented the new process in 2021. And so the admitted class in 2021 showed significant increases in Black students, Latino students. There were more women. There were more economically disadvantaged students, you know, all across really all of those spectrums, across all of those different sort of categories. But the one thing that did happen was that Asian American students who had made up 70% of the admitted class had dropped down to about 50%. That's a dramatic fall. 
And that's where sort of the lawsuit comes in that the parents who are suing the school board, they say that the admissions process discriminates against Asian American students because there was that significant downfall, that this was a system that is targeting and discriminating against Asian Americans in exchange for all of these other students to have places at the school. So what's the reaction to that? What does the school system say? What what do advocates of these changes say? Is that true? I mean, the the fall off in the Asian American student population seems pretty dramatic. Yeah. Proponents of the changes say that's not true, that this system was not designed to discriminate against Asian American students. It was designed to open up the school to more people. And that limiting the number of Asian American students who were admitted to the school was never the intent of the of the system. And so that's sort of the argument for it is that was not what they intended to do, but they did want to create a system that, you know, welcomed more students into the school and gave students who wouldn't necessarily have been able to get in through the old process a way to come into the school. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I know you're an education reporter, not a constitutional law reporter, but yeah. as I understand it, there's a lot of case law where intent kind of has nothing to do with it. The you know effect is what is measured. Is there sort of conventional wisdom on what what's going to happen to this litigation? Yeah. So a U.S. district judge um, ruled in the case that they sided with the parent group saying that there, there was discrimination against the Asian American students and that this was an act of racial balancing and an unconstitutional act of racial balancing. The school board appealed that decision and the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the school board saying that the judge was wrong in his, you know, assertion that it was, you know, unconstitutional racial balancing, that this was that was not the case here and that the admissions process was constitutional and stood. And so this parent group has now appealed the case to the Supreme Court. And so um, we're now sort of waiting to see whether or not the Supreme Court is going to take up this case for this high school that is, you know, right here in, in, in Fairfax County. In Virginia or nationally, this question of trying to increase diversity, improve representation, particularly of Black and Latino folks, you know, opposition to that has become a, a thing in the in the right Virginia as a state's got elections coming up. It's got a governor who has made, you know, 
culture war stuff part of his uh, appeal. How is this playing in state politics? Yeah, this has been going on for a while. So I think it's sort of at a point where it's not a huge issue in state politics at the moment. But I think sort of, I've heard it called sort of like a war on merit, you know, a sort of broader conversation about how to measure student success, right? Like with test scores, like removing a test score, lowering standards to have more students achieve. So I think that that is sort of just a broader picture issue. All right, what about the other side? You know, that we hear so much about backlash against affirmative action programs and against diversity programs. Is there anybody, a group of parents or a group of educators or people in state or national politics who have championed this and said, hey, this is a great idea. We need to fight for it and make sure it, it uh, these kinds of changes can get made? Yeah. So there's a group of alumni sort of on the opposite side who have been advocating for change to the admissions process to help boost diversity for years, like long before the school board had done that. I think there was a, the Facebook group had formed in 2016. So they've been around for a while. It's a group of TJ alumni who, you know, really want to see their school change and that they had been advocating for this for a really long time. And they are, you know, very vocally in favor of the admissions process and against sort of some of the challenges from those who think this is discriminatory. And their reasoning is that the school they went to didn't feel welcoming enough? Yeah, yeah. Some of it is that they feel like the school didn't feel welcoming when they went there, or just a general sense of they feel like the school could be improved by having a more diverse sort of student population. I think it's sort of like any institution that you were a part of is like they want to see it improve and they think this is the way to do it. Yeah, I guess oftentimes like old alums also might do the opposite. Like, I, I took that test. Everyone should like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think there are some some people on the other side of that who feel the same same way and that they're like, you know, no, like I took the test. My kid took the test. My kid got in and my kid's doing great. And like, if you want your kid to go to the school, they should pass so. the test. So you mentioned at the top of the pod that TJ had dropped from number one to number five in this U.S. News and World Report rankings. I suspect opinions differ on this, but uh, how does that, uh, how, how does the change in admissions factor into that? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked about that because it's really important to note that the change in admissions has nothing to do with the drop in the rankings because the rankings use data from 2019 and 2020. And so that was before the admissions process was in place. And the rankings process also looks at data among 12th graders. And so we still have a couple more years before we will actually see the effects of the admissions process directly onto the rankings. And, and I talked to the sort of statistician who was doing the rankings and, and he was saying, you know, um, among these top schools, the differences are so small because they have such high achieving students. Like just because it dropped, like it still means they have a hundred percent graduation rate. They still are among very exceptional students. And so it's really not that big of a deal to go from one to five. It is really just like a very small change. So one last question beyond just TJ, as important and sort of symbolically important as it may be, what's the practical impact of this legislation, like or this litigation? Could it, whatever the decision is, affect other schools in Virginia, other public schools nationally, other systems? Yeah, definitely. So we're already seeing more 
magnet schools jump into this debate over over the, their admissions processes. And I think that a lot of people are watching to see what the Supreme Court is going to do. It's kind of difficult to try to predict whether or not they're going to take up this case, but a lot of people think that there might be interest and that they might take this up. And some of the experts who I've talked to in admissions world, they've referred to the admissions process at Thomas Jefferson is race neutral. So this is different than an application that directly looks at race and considers that into the application because there is no question about race in the Thomas Jefferson admissions process, but they do look at other race neutral factors, things like experience factors of low income, where do you live, like all of these different pieces that would possibly be indicators of race, but are not directly race. And so if the Supreme Court were to take this up, that is ultimately what they would be deciding on. And that could have a really big impact. You know, if they say that you can't consider not only race, but not these race neutral factors that might be indicators of race, like that sort of changes a lot of admissions processes. And, you know, many schools, not only high schools, but higher education institutions would also probably have to probably change the way that they admit people. And so I think it has a chance to have some some big impact. And everyone I've talked to has also said, like, this is not going away. Even if the Supreme Court doesn't take up the Thomas Jefferson case now, we're going to see more and more of these challenges around the country. And people are going to be watching it very closely, especially the people who exist in the admissions world. Karina, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. And before you go, here is some quick news. Mayor Muriel Bowser is reportedly preparing to name General Services Administration official Nina Albert as the next deputy mayor for planning and economic development. DEMPED, as we insiders call it. It's a mouthful, but you might recognize that title because John Falcicchio resigned from the role in disgrace earlier this year amid sexual harassment allegations against him. The scandal raised concerns about a toxic work culture in the mayor's office, which we discussed in an episode you can find in the show notes. Meanwhile, a special grand jury has indicted a former Fairfax County police officer for fatally shooting a man outside the Tyson's Corner Center Mall in February. An earlier grand jury had ruled that there wasn't enough evidence to charge the officer, but he was fired in March after an internal investigation. And finally, Metro is adopting new safety checks after a train derailment last month. Inspections showed that about 6% of brake discs on old Metro cars were flawed. Now the agency will check bolts every 60 days to ensure they are properly tightened. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, make a federal case of it. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.